0: Welcome to the Not Old Yet Podcast, where we explore the subject of aging from a fresh new perspective. Each week, you will learn how to look, feel, and be youthful, no matter your age or stage of life. Tune in each episode to hear words of wisdom, stories of hope, and keeping it real advice from your host, Elizabeth Vanderveer. We got a beautiful story.
1: Hi everyone and welcome. I'm Elizabeth Vanderveer, your host of the Not Old Yet podcast. And today I'm here with my good friend, Cindy. Hi, Cindy. Hello. And we're here to talk today about getting out of your comfort zone and pushing the limits and all of the positive things that come with aging. Uh, It's very easy to point to all the things that we don't like about aging, but Cindy's got some great ideas, and we're going to talk about ways that you can push your boundaries and get out of that comfort zone and make some new memories for yourself. I think as we age, it's a lot more about the journey and the experience than it is the destination or the accumulation of more stuff. I personally think that's why a lot of the marketers don't want to talk to us, is because we're not buying quite as much stuff. As the younger people, we've become a bit more discerning. Uh, same is true for services and activities and events and travel. We want a good experience, but I like the idea of the all but experience, meaning it doesn't matter if you catch the fish when you're deep sea diving or deep sea fishing. It doesn't matter if you complete the task, but it's the journey. And I think as we age and we have more limitations and more concerns about travel, you know, it's it's about the journey. But today we're going to share some thoughts about aging and ways that you can expand your horizons. Cindy, you have some really incredible ideas. Well, one of them was make a list if you're looking for a partner, make a list of what you want and what you don't want. I already did that. I and remember people put single at the top of that list because you're manifesting exactly what you're looking for. And what else, Cindy? You've got some other great ideas. So
0: one of the things I started doing several years ago was at least once a year doing something that I had never done before, facing my fears. I had fears of height, fears of snakes, which I still kind of do.
1: I've got both those.
0: Ah. And Pretty much that, and and but there were some other things as well at, that I can go into. So when I turned the big 6-0, I decided I was going to face one of those fears, and I flew into Lima, Ooh. went to Cusco, came down to Machu Picchu, and climbed it. Nice. Well, there, and many that have been there and many that have read about it consider this to be a very spiritual, energy-filled place. So you went I, alone? I went by myself. And that's another thing that I encourage women to do is get out there and travel by yourself. That. It's amazing. And if you're, you're not comfortable in certain situations, baby steps, you'll get there, mm-hmm. wherever that is. So, And I've been doing that for some time. However, getting back to Machu Picchu, while there, I met two other people, two men that didn't know each other either, and the three of us were celebrating our birthday, our birth year on that same day, and I've got a photograph to document that. It was exhilarating. It was Mm -hmm. exciting. I felt so energized, so proud of myself. It's not an easy hike, but I did it. And No,
1: it's not an easy hike. I've yeah. known people that actually prepare for it and train for it. Did you train for it?
0: I have been walking energetically for some time, and I do climb stairs. What's it, the elevation
1: there at Machu Picchu when you're oh, starting your climb?
0: It's at 7, 8 or 7, 900. You're right. And
1: that's what I remember.
0: You go into Cusco, which is nine, and you're there for three days so you can get used to the elevation, and then you come down usually by mountain train, which is adorable, then you can climb it successfully without the elevation sickness.
1: Nice. Yeah. I've had elevation sickness in Colorado a couple of times. It's pretty brutal.
0: I've had that there too. Yeah. So that was, that was one of the things that I've done. In the past few years, uh, my 30-something son has joined me on a few of these activities. We do them together, which is really great to be able to share it with someone because you're also validating that experience, mm. especially if
1: you've never done it also. And so you see, just had one of those. Just I did. Of show, I did. last week. And we went skydiving. And was that your first time? Uh-huh. Oh, wow. Yeah, How do and you I know the nerve to do that. that. Wow! It wasn't Pass the off, girl.
0: It Pass wasn't off. the nerve to to start to do it. The nerve was actually as the door to the plane opened up and my heels were digging in. Uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. But my son jumped right before me, and then I did after. We did jump at thirteen thousand oh. five hundred feet high. And 15, we free, we were free falling for about three minutes, and to me that was terrifying. But I lived. Talk about
1: Tom Petty free falling.
0: Yes, and wow. but as soon as the chute came open, it was so exhilarating. It was wonderful. I was in. Control. You weren't afraid of the heights at that point? No, not at all. Not at all. And Why I had that? control of the chute where I could turn it left, turn it right. I could see sisters mountains mount hood mount saint helen and the patchwork of quilt of earth below me and it was so freeing i loved loved that part wow. of it and then the landing so the landing was just like getting out of a chair and just walking you right up and with someone or did you know i, did it, in I okay. did it tandem i did it tandem with uh an instructor that's done this for decades and um
1: I had the experience once of getting out of a dive boat in the middle of the Caribbean and looking down, I was obviously floating at the top of the sea, looking down and it was just 50 feet of clear, like literally you could see the bottom as though you were looking through air. And I totally had that sensation of free falling and almost got out of the water permanently, but I ended up staying and I got through it, but I still have no desire to go Skydiving, and like I told you before, you went. I've known a number of pilots over the years because I used to be an FAA medical examiner, and they've all said they would never jump out of a perfectly good airplane. <laughs> and so, I respect that. Of if a pilot won't do it, I probably won't. But hats off to you for doing it, that's awesome. I think I've my big conquering of fears. I don't have the regiment that you do, which is impressive to do something annually, but climbing the Sydney bridge over the Sydney Harbor in Sydney, Australia was a big deal for me, even though you're tethered in and you can't go anywhere and you're like attached at every possible place. It felt like it still was a big deal to climb over at that height, but it was exhilarating. I mean, I do think that when you conquer a fear you really do get all that extra adrenaline too of conquering the fear as well as just doing the activity, which is gonna raise adrenaline if you're jumping out of an airplane at 13,500 feet. Oh my goodness, that's just crazy. Can you breathe when
0: you're falling it's through the air
1: like that? It's difficult because. The, Are your cheeks like flapping? L- l- Totally. They're That's pushed up. It looks like, old, uh, you know, you're at a uh, carnival or something. <laughs> uh, the air is rushing by. Well, you have goggles
0: on and they have to be really tight. Otherwise, you're just going to fly off of you. So your, your skin is like pushed up and the air is coming up quickly. So it is difficult to breathe. If your mouth is open, it's going to push air up to where it dries the area between the teeth (sighs) and the upper part, and that's real attractive, too, during the photos that are being taken. Thank you. but Holy crap. After that, you you can take your goggles off as soon as the chute opens, and everything is great.
1: As soon as. We pray the chute opens. There are two. Uh, well, that brings up another fear that I have not only conquered, but now I've partaken this activity, which is helicopter rides. Used to say, "No way, no how." Have you ever taken a helicopter ride? Three. It's, it's crazy. You know that ability to just do anything. You know, three sixty gyroscope, basically, almost, and. I was lucky enough to be married to an aviation attorney when we decided to go on a helicopter in Maui. This is decades ago. And he researched all of the companies and picked the one with the perfect record. And it was a trip. The first ride I ever did was through that canyon in Kauai, where they filmed Jurassic Park. Well, there's like, five climate zones, I think, in that canyon. So you go through sometimes hail and rain and sun and wind, and you look around in the canyon, and there's other little tiny dots, and those are other helicopters, and they look like little ants in front of you. It's this massive cavern. I can't believe they filmed there. It's just incredible. But that was my first, and there's bums, and I'm just like, I've died. I'm have i dead. This, this record that this company has is over. But we made it. And then ever since then, I've been just obsessed with taking helicopters whenever I can to see something, you know, like taking the sights. So for my 53rd birthday last year, my boys and I stayed out in Malibu and they got a helicopter ride for the three of us. And we went all around LA to check it out. And the guy even buzzed some of the downtown buildings. And I was just, oh my gosh, like my stomach and. I white knuckle those things, but at least now I can do them. But I don't think I'll ever jump out of a plane. I just
0: never say never.
1: But you know, George Bush Senior did at eighty, I think. You know, so obviously, talk to us about what they uh, told you about the limitations of who can go skydiving, because obviously, an eighty-year-old did it, so it's right. doable. Right. So, what are the requirements?
0: There is a weight limit if you're doing it tandem, because obviously you're hooked up to a, yeah, licensed, that bet,
1: yeah.
0: right, a licensed jumper who's been doing this for a very long time. And so the weight is an issue. They don't want anyone over 200. And pounds? 200 pounds, because you're attached to the other person. And when
1: you're landing... Oh, 200 pounds is not a lot. Seriously. Mm-hmm. That's not a lot pounds. for America. 200 pounds. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Okay, people. Time to get in shape. Get on the scale. Yeah, time to get on the scale. And because
0: when they come down, they want to come down as light as possible. And they would also like to be able to touch ground first. So if you were 200 pounds, the weight of the two of you is going to hit the ground harder. Now, when I came down, it was like feather light and we just walked it out. It was phenomenal, right? So you're on their back or they're on your back? They're on my back. Oh, wow. And also they try to match you up with someone who is like sized. So if you're a slight man, for example, you're going to have a trainer that is similarly built. Hmm. And if you're heavier, like the 200, you will have a heavier tandem. I mean-
1: 200 pounds for a guy is not a lot. I just said a ton of guys that are over 200 pounds. That's really interesting. So do you think that's industry wide or is that just that one outfit that you went to? No,
0: I think it's industry wide. Some may go over by, you know, a, a smaller amount, but I don't think too much because not only is the weight factor, but it's the health factor and it's how mobile you are. And so, if you're a solid person, they're going to look at you that way and say, All right, you know, here's someone who is physically active, even though they may weigh over 200 pounds. And oh, yes, by the way, we have a licensed jumper that we can do tandem with. And so, before you jump, you're going through a training process. And in this training, one of the things they talk about is your landing. And so, your legs come up and your your knees are bent and your heels are flipped out so your toes are up to the sky. Mm. And that is so that the tandem jumper behind you that's attached to you, their feet will actually touch the ground just a split second or so before you do.
1: Gotcha. So it's, it's like a sitting position with your ankles flexed.
0: Somewhat, yes. Yes, somewhat. Yeah. That's
1: very cool. That sounds like a fun trip. I definitely want to go to Machu Picchu myself. Not sure if I'm going to do the hike or not. Let's talk about other things that we do when we're older that we might not do when we're younger.
0: Well, I've done, as mentioned before, something on my birthday or that birth week to celebrate that fact and to push my comfort zone. And I like facing my fears, and sometimes I do a couple of those a year, and sometimes it's just a matter of doing something I've never done before, because why not? If not now, when? And I have a good friend that once a month she does something she's never done before, and they may seem like little things, but this helps her with the same situation. She had never been to high tea, so... She went to high tea with uh, her daughter-in-law and her daughter and her mother and had a wonderful time. I invited her to a December soiree. She said she'd never been to a soiree. Didn't even know what it was, but she was gone. And she has never read a classic book from cover to cover, the whole thing, like...
1: Maybe a, a classic, like from your high school or whatever. a
0: novel. We're talking, yes,
1: yeah,
0: cover to cover. So she did that, and for myself,
1: but the point is, it doesn't have to be expensive, extravagant no. at all. No, not I, at all, not at all. Once a month is very aspirational. I think for most of us, a month passes like that. Mm-hmm. But doing something. Out of your comfort zone is a great idea, you know, even if it's just taking a different route to work. Right. Just so that you get a different muscle memory, Mm -hmm. you know, stretching something.
0: (laughs) She went to a car dealership one month and, you know, they allow you to test drive a car. She'd never driven a Porsche before. Now she has.
1: That's a fun experience. I think every woman should go drive a Porsche. I loved it.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Loved it. It was exhilarating. That's, that's a fun thing to do. Or whatever your car is, uh, depending on what you too. But right. go drive a little sports car. It could be a Nissan. It could be anything, but do the best that you can and go have some fun. Let it rip. I Well, I'm a car girl. So are you. you cute little car. I love cars. Test driving a nice car is a great idea. Love that one.
0: One of the things that she did, uh, she and I were together and we went into a very high-end jewelry store and they allow you to try things on. And so why not? And
1: she- That's a great (laughs) idea. I love it.
0: She loved the look of this one necklace and was inquiring about it and shut down completely when she found out how much it was. And I encouraged her to try it on, and she was backing up going, no, no, no. And I said, yes, 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 try it on. The salesman says, absolutely, try it on. She put it on, she says, I have never, ever had a $68,000 necklace around my neck. I took the photo, it's there to share. Oh,
1: that's awesome.
0: That was her first thing that month.
1: Awesome. Yeah. I love trying on jewelry. That's a great idea. I love when I was in London once with the man that I told of you about in the other podcast on dating who was engaged to a politician and unbeknownst to me or her, but I was traveling in England with him and we were... Walking down old Bond Street in London, following Madonna, and Madonna was clearing out everything and shopping all these name brand stores that shall remain nameless. And I was coming in after she left, and I would walk in, I was a little heavier than I am now, maybe 20 pounds. They were like, Madam, we have nothing your size. (laughs) And, you know, Madonna's this big, and they had just been starstruck. And so I'm walking in with my boyfriend who was buying things off the rack, having no trouble fitting, and they were all looking down their noses at me. And I was so depressed, and all I wanted to do was eat, of course, (laughs) because that's all you want to do when you feel terrible about your weight. So then I went to this jewelry store, Boucheron, Boucheron on Old Bond Street. And I tried on the biggest diamond I could find. It was freaking huge. And I looked at this guy and I said, now we're somewhere where the bigger the size, the better. (laughs) So pissed off about these (laughs) ladies and the way they treated me about my size. Oh, they were just vicious. And I just was so depressed. So then we uh, tried it on, photographed it. And I think Honest to God, I thought it was like a half a million pounds, freaking huge. And of course, at those jewelry stores, it's 5 billion percent markup. So then we went back to the hotel and had high tea and I did get to eat and drink. So anyways, I didn't buy the jewel, but I just had to go somewhere where bigger was better
0: Mm -hmm. because
1: i was not having a good time shopping i think i have so much trauma around shopping that's why i hate to shop that's another podcast that i did about how much i hate to shop but shopping for jewelry is another great idea test driving cool cars is a great idea any other let's keep going i love this yes how
0: about trying a food you've never tried before
1: so on that note i think trying a restaurant yeah a food Like at the farmer's market, I've bought some stuff that I've never had before. Just cooked with it. Love it now. I have new things in my repertoire. At age 53, it's like, really, Elizabeth? You never tried that vegetable ever before? Another thing would be trying a restaurant. When I lived in Portland still, I tried an Ethiopian restaurant Mm -hmm. that I had never had Ethiopian food before. And it was amazing. So that's a great idea. Do you have any other thoughts about food and how to... Stretch your wings?
0: Yes. I frequently will see in the farmer's markets or some of the markets of different countries. I'll walk through and I'll find a great piece of fruit that I've never seen before. I'll mm. inquire about it. I'll get the backstory about it to find out also what is ripe and what isn't. Mm. How is it best served? I'll buy one, bring it home try it usually with a friend and we discuss it I research it online and more yeah, times than not I search in the store You can... well, and more times than not I, I discover something that's absolutely delicious that I never even heard of before
1: yeah that's a great idea the ethnic markets mm. are a great place to go find fruits and vegetables and even packaged goods that you just can't find elsewhere like you know concentrates and seasonings that you can't get in a regular store. Of course, I love to cook. I know, of course, I love to eat too. (laughs) What else? Well, I'm taking surfing lessons for the first time. And as I've shared, I cannot stand up hardly on solid ground. So I'm not sure about the wisdom of this decision, but I love the ocean. I just get completely energized and renewed in the ocean. So I tried paddleboarding and it's not that I don't love it. It's just that I need to get a paddleboard to make a further effort on this. And I haven't done that yet. So surfing is something that I'm doing now with Gabe and it's exhilarating. I had heard because when I came to LA last summer and I met some surfers, they all said, if you catch it right in the right place of the wave, you're in the zone. You know, you're a surfer, you can share this. And you don't even feel like you're moving. You're just almost suspended in space. And my first lesson, we caught a couple of those waves. I was not standing up yet, but I still felt that energy. And it's a physical physics flow that you have when you're on the wave. So that was really fun. And it conquers a fear for me of being out in the ocean that way. Even though I'm a scuba diver and I've scuba dived with sharks, for some reason, the Pacific is a fear of mine. I like warm. Turquoise waters. <laughs> I'm a fair weather scuba diver. But surfing, you surf. Yes. You grew up surfing, and that's an amazing activity that seems like it's within reach, even if you're over 50. That's true. I'm not sure I'll get up anytime soon, but I'm having a good time trying. What else are you thinking? Uh, well, I think
0: that it's never too late to learn something new, whether it's to play the piano. Violin, a new language. Mm, yeah. making that.:. Great special- apps.
1: Yeah, yeah. There's I'm some sorry. great apps for language.
0: Yes. Yeah. And if you plan on going to Italy next year, why not learn some phrases?: Right I think that's- take a cooking class while you're there. My sister's right there doing this right now, so that's what came to mind.
1: Hi, Patty. That brings up, so I'm going to take this to traveling and dating because you like to adventure travel. Yes. I like some adventure, but finding out who you're traveling with is really important and finding out before you go. I've been on vacations before where my partner just wanted to lay on the beach. I mean, literally work on their tan. Now, to me, that's not an activity, And sitting there on the beach drinking and working on their tan. It was when I was 20 to 25, but not now. So finding out, are you guys compatible, you and your significant other? What do you like to do? In fact, I ferreted this out where I stated my preference very early on in this new relationship because. I'm the kind of person that if I, let's just say I plan a trip to Italy, I will not reserve restaurants because I don't know what I'm going to want, where I'm going to want to eat and what time and everything else. I had a two-year relationship with someone that picked every restaurant every night, the time, practically knew the menu by the time we were there. And I was, you know, let's say for example, we were sitting on by the pool at five o'clock in the afternoon, having a perfectly great time, but dinner was at six. Boom, you got to go, you know, like get up and go. Now the downside is if you don't make reservations and everything, you might not get in if you're going high season or, you know, high tourist traffic time, like a holiday. But that's my personality. And I think travel adventures, we both talked about both alone and with someone else's adventures. It's really important to ferret out what kind of person you're traveling with before you go, because if you're really different, you're only going to want to accommodate that for so long. This is part of the peeling the onion thing that I've been talking about, that there's layer after layer to finding out is someone compatible for travel. But if you're like us and you've got the bug, the travel bug, that's a really important part of a relationship as it develops. And ferreting out pretty easily, unless you meet someone on a vacation, I guess that's another way to go. And then you know you like the same type of vacation.
0: Well, one of the things that worked for me in my my late husband was that we were both what we refer to as exotic travelers. Mm -hmm. Most of the places we went to were off the grid. And these are places that Uh, definitely startup travelers would not be thinking, it would not be on their radar, it would not be in their bucket list. And what we would do is if we could set aside at least two weeks on this particular vacation, one week of it would be the adventure part of it. We would get out, we would see, we would do, we would experience. And then the latter half of it would be chill. Would be veg out. Would be you know, laying like broccoli, as yeah. Julie Roberts would say. So we might go to which we did do Australia, and go up the Sun Coast, go up to Queensland, go in the Coranda and the Daintree rainforest, and mingle with the Aborigine, find out how they would eat. And hunt. And then we went to the Great Barrier Reef and scuba dived. Returning back to Queensland, we then took a very small plane to Lizard Island. And Uh it's a biomarine island that only allows 20 people on the island at a time. And there are 10 to 15 private beaches on there. So there are times where you never see anybody else. You're also allowed to take boats to the uninhabited islands in and around it. And so that was our time to just lie on a beach, order a cocktail, eat seafood, sleep in till 10. It was really, really relaxing. We went back with a lot of memories, a lot of stories, a lot of great photographs. And that was how we would travel.
1: Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, you get both in the adventure and the relaxation and having a partner. That's, that's the goal, right? That's the Someone goal. Someone that gets you, that likes the same things you do. I think that travel in a young relationship is a little different because you have to think about who's paying for what. Is it clear up front? Is someone bringing something to the table differently like miles or a beach house or something, you know, I think it's complicated to figure all this stuff out. Do you usually do tours or one price or how do you, how do you travel to these places? Is it all a la carte?
0: Most of it is a la carte. Most of it is through research online before we get there to find out where it is we want to go or what is offered. We don't book everything beforehand because part of, at least the way I travel, part of the excitement of travel is the discovery and going to some place fresh is exciting unto itself. And you meet people that live there and they'll say, you must do blah, blah, or you have to see this and oh. I enjoy eating the local food here, oh. and rather than the tourist restaurants,
1: or right, which is why at. I like to leave my itinerary open for that exactly. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. So, for example, that- going to Australia, we knew obviously that we were going to Daintree in the Coranda and the Great Barrier Reef. Mm-hmm. We also knew that we were going to um, lie on a beach a week at Lizard Island. Outside of that, everything else just came to us as we would hit it up.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's great. Like you have guardrails, you have certain days that you have to be somewhere. You're progressing through your trip, but so much is left for serendipity. Right. And that's the joy in travel, I think. And then also if things come up like the unexpected, even an illness or something, you know, you have flexibility also. Mm-hmm. You aren't feeling, in, you know, indebted to that reservation that you made. That being said, like something like tickets to the Uffizi in Florence it makes sense to get those ahead of time and plan a day to go because otherwise you're just going to waste hours in line. So mm-hmm. I'm not being so specific to say that you never plan. I just think that to plan where you're going to eat three months in advance when you make your hotel reservation, that's just not my Mm -hmm. style. I think personality and compatibility in travel really comes down to style and personality preferences, you know, what's comfortable for you. What's sleeping in, sleeping in for some people like me is seven o'clock, that's sleeping in. To others, it's 10 or 11 or two or three, you know, those are all things that you find out over time, but they're important parts of traveling together. I think doing new adventures together is fun. I'm just going to share this. I thought this was a cute idea. Uh, I went on a date once where the date said we each get to spend $20 on the other person for showing them something about ourselves. So showing each other and $20, and the date was held at Whole Foods. I was like, Twenty dollars for five items, first of all, that's a little challenging at Whole Foods, and then it does, it really did say something about each one of us with the five things that we came up with. But you could do that with a friend, you could do it with a kid, you could mm-hmm. teach a kid you know the value of money, go get five things that you want to eat here and challenge them. you know What other activities can you think of?
0: Well, I went to Alaska last year. I had never been to Alaska before. And one of the things that I like to do when I travel to someplace I've never been is to think about what I could do there that I could never do anywhere else. And then I want to do it. So in going to Alaska, I knew that I wanted to mush a dog sled across the Mendenhall Glacier.
1: I love that glacier. I did
0: plan it beforehand. I knew when I would be there approximately, and I knew that that's what I was going to do. I also knew that at some point while I was in Alaska, I wanted to ride and land in a float plane, which I'd never done before. So I don't remember. I think it was Ketchikan. I could be wrong about that. When I went into this very small like a large hallway, but a small kind of traveler's mart where you had a lot of solicitors with various different things. Well, all these were uh, float planes, but I didn't want to go on a tour. I didn't want to go where everybody else was. I didn't want to see the same tourist attractions. So I walked into the middle of it and I said aloud so that everyone could hear who has a place that no one else has gone to yet and needs someone to experience it, get back to you on it, write about it, comments on it? That's what I want to know. And every everybody point pointed down to one vendor. And I walked down there, talked to him, and he says, we've got this island that's been privately owned by these Inuit families. And we're talking to them about opening this up on a very limited basis so that people could go and experience how they have lived for the last several generations. So I agreed to that. I was going to come back in a couple of hours. We landed there. I've got videotape of the whole experience. I met the family. They're just fabulous, fabulous three-generational family. They have their original homestead with everything logged in there about how their generations before lived. They showed us how they ate. They were generous. So beyond my expectations. And we traveled all over that little Island and then flew back. And it was really an experience. That That sounds
1: amazing. Mm -hmm. But again, if you
0: don't ask, you don't get.
1: Yeah. I'm a big believer. in once you go somewhere, do it all, do, you know, spend the money that you can afford on the activities. So when I was in Sydney, I took both a seaplane and a helicopter and did the bridge climb. The other thing I was going to share is that my general rule is every major city I go to, I go to the concert hall and hear something when I'm in that city. So whatever's playing, I love going to the Philharmonics and, you know, the symphonies, but they don't always play. But I always go see something. And in Sydney, I've done that. I've done it all over the globe. Every major city, I go and listen to music in their concert halls. And it's just so beautiful. My favorite of all time is the Disney Hall here in L.A., It's all clear grain fur on the inside and it just sounds incredible. Love doing that. But spending the time and the money to go all out when you're somewhere fabulous, I think is important. You know, do the the unusual, do the extra, do the unexpected when you're somewhere like you did. A good example of that was I was traveling
0: down the West coast of Africa and not that many Westerners at that time. And this was about, this was not quite 10 years ago had gone down the West coast of Africa, but in going to Morocco, which I absolutely fell in love with everything about it. I fell in love with, and I was in this very, very small, not much bigger than a, a van uh, bus and there were mostly Brits, and I think there was a couple of Germans on there, and then myself. And our translator points out, as there's part of the desert, and then beyond that, the Atlantic Ocean. He says, look, camels, does anyone want to write? And he didn't even finish it. My hand is up. And I'm looking around all excited. I was the only one whose hand was up. And I No, I'm going to pass by this opportunity. Well, they did stop for just me. And so I jumped out and the camel was down on his knees, down on the ground. And as I straddle the camel and grab the horn and and the camel is rising, and of course they do it one leg at a time, so it's kind of Mm -hmm. going to hobble like this. And I look over to the van. And their noses are all pressed up against the window and they're looking at me. But not one came off the van. And I'm thinking, you're in Morocco, people. You're not here to just watch life go by. Experience it. And it was wonderful. That was my Christmas card that year. That's how wonderful that was.
1: The picture of you on a camel? Yes. That's cool. Yes. Yeah. That's a great... Riding animals is a great one. I swam with the stingrays in Grand Cayman. It definitely conquered fear when those things, this was relatively soon after uh, Steve Irwin dying of a stingray, you know, in Australia, I believe. And they swore it was a different type of stingray, but they looked the same to me. I was like, different type? I don't know. But Swimming with the stingrays was incredible cuz they come up and they they rub all over you and they're really they're like slimy and hard all at the same time and oh it was crazy i was just i've been thinking about that trip lately uh, the other thing that was cool was Paul Allen's one of his boats like hundreds of feet long I this thing was enormous was right outside of our hotel the whole family and i were there and We could see everyone flying on the helicopter to and from the ship. That was pretty cool to go to uh, Paul Allen's New Year's party. I think that's when we were there. But swimming with the stingrays was intense. Swimming with the hammerhead sharks was intense. I would say scuba diving is a great activity if you're over 50. I was going to mention when you were talking about your travel that Eighty percent of luxury travel dollars are spent by people over sixty-five. It's just a startling and women startling statistic. Women
0: are the greatest demographics in travel today, and they spend the most money on travel. Hmm. Women over
1: fifty, really? Yes. Well, that's that's impressive. I think that there needs to be more companies catering to us Mm -hmm. and catering to our desires. And, you know, for men and women, not just women, like, why don't we have luxury airlines that are all first class seats? Why does anyone have to get bumped from first class? Why don't we have good meals again, pillows and blankets? I mean, it can be done. I know there's a price, but... If people have the desire to pay and the ability to pay, why not make this a much more luxurious experience? How about more time for and planning and planing? You know, it's terrifying for some people and then you've got to lift your bags up overhead. I mean, those things are heavy. Don't get me going on how we need to reinvigorate aviation. But this is the deal, Cindy. You're in your 60s. I'm in my 50s. We're both healthy. We're both going to live for a very long time. And no one's paying attention to the over 50 crowd, except for the advocacy organizations. I don't need AARP. I'm 53. I need a life. I need someone to be offering me experiences for my age group. And no one's talking to us. I've blogged and talked a lot about how I fell off the radar when I turned 50. I don't get served ads for anything interesting. I get the retirement and cancer centers and 401k plans and all that. And I'm not getting the, all the other stuff. And, you know, we're here and we need to be listened to. We need to be taken seriously as a group. In 30 years, Cindy, people over 65 will make up half the population. That's just 30 years. I don't know about you, but I was literally thinking about it this morning. The last 30 years went by like that. So imagine millennials watching right now. (laughs) you're going to be 65 probably in 30 years or close to. Mm-hmm. And imagine looking around and half of the world around you is over 65, half, and you may be one of them. Imagine how the world is going to have to change. Cindy, we can't support half of the country being on Medicare and Medicaid and everything else. It's not a sustainable solution. That's why We need to be doing something now. We need to be honoring people that are in their 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, giving them opportunities to work and not forcing them to take entitlements and things and staying active, be given opportunities and take opportunities. That's what this show is really about. It's about talking about what's out there, great ideas, and then really making yourself do it it's a partially behaving yourself into doing it setting up an appointment like to go skydiving keeping that appointment feeling the fear and doing it anyways really is what we're talking about pushing yourself so that you're always growing you're always expanding your horizons quite frankly the more you limit your life the more you close down your life and the more You age faster. And part of not old yet is staying in the game and it's staying active and involved. And we're very aware of the challenges that face us as we age, but we are here to inspire and to offer encouragement and ideas to aging as gracefully as we can. So, any final comments, Cindy? Anything you want to share?
0: Yes. I have a a small group. There are seven, eight of us. We go once a year to the Deschutes River. This is in Oregon, further out in central of state. And we river raft the Deschutes. And you can do half river and you can do full. The full is pretty much the whole day. And last year when we were doing this, I had taken a bottle of champagne and a saber, and I sabered the champagne. And if you don't know what that is, look it up. I did it. And What you, is it? I have no idea. Uh, you take the champagne bottle, one with a cork, and you take the foil off, and you take your saber. Uh, it could be a very long but very sharp knife. And feel around the edge of the bottle, and you will find a seam. So what you want to do is hold it and hold it out away from you and score it up that seam. And if you can do it in one swift swoop and it will cut off the glass, the cork will shoot off and that's sabering the champagne. And so I did that right before we river rafted. Well,
1: rafted with an open bottle
0: of champagne? No, 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 no. This was before we got on the raft. Oh yeah. And so we, we did that. We got ready. We got on the raft and we went down river. Now one of the ladies is I had not met before and she was somewhat timid and she was hearing the stories of the different things that I had done. And so she was talking to me about this and I was telling her that I push my boundaries I try to make myself more accepting of experiences by getting out of my comfort zone. And, and so I shared several different experiences. I've taken a flying lesson. I've flown in a plane. I did a glider last year, been up in a hot air balloon. I've snorkeled, I've scubaed and ridden an elephant in India and all of these things. So She was thinking about this as we were going down the river and we were almost to the end of the river and we pulled inland a little bit and there is this pool of water and the water is icy cold and this large rock that the guides refer to as jump rock. I wonder why. And so we're watching the guides jumping off the rock and this is something that I've never particularly wanted to do. I don't want to climb a large rock and just jump. So, pretty soon, someone is asking, Where is she? Where is she? And I'm looking around and I don't see her either. And then all of a sudden, I look at the rock and she's climbed up the back of the rock. And I'm going, Who is she? This woman that was timid before. I'll call Uh her Annie. So, Annie gets to the top and I'm thinking in my head, Oh, Cindy, what have you done? And so we're watching her, watching her. She's up there 10 minutes, 15, 20. And I thought, Lordy, you're going to have to go up after her. You started this. You opened the door. And so another 15 minutes goes by and no one can talk her down. They've gone up. They've tried jumping with her. She's frozen. So I get out of the boat and I walk up there. And as I'm climbing up, I'm talking to her and saying, we're overthinking this. We're just gonna stand up, we're just gonna go one, two, three, and we're just gonna do it. And so I say, okay, I'm standing and I do one, two, three, and I jump. Mind you, I didn't want to do this. But I did. She was still there. But I did it.
1: Ah, you didn't take her with you.
0: She would not go.
1: Oh my god. Twenty
0: minutes later, another woman, the two of them jumped together. But oh. the point was. She was so excited over the fact that she tackled a fear. She wanted to know it. Anybody recorded it. She wanted it right then and there. She couldn't wait to tell her sons about this. It was just accomplishing something that she didn't think she could do.
1: Right. That's kind of the point. Feel the fear and do it anyway, even if it takes you half hour, hour to jump. Although we if all you're have in that training. comfort
0: level, but that's something that she'll talk about for the rest of her life. That she was able to do that. And it was a fear that she had, and she was so elated mm-hmm. afterwards, so, so proud of herself. Nobody can take that away from her. So, ladies, ask yourself, what have you not done before that you'd like to do? Or something that maybe you've done a long time ago and you'd like to do again.
1: hmm Yeah, that's a great idea. It really is the key to staying young is having new experiences. And I see so many people that look ahead after a certain age and they just see closure and they see lack of opportunity. And it's really there for the taking. And it's about taking risks. and putting yourself out there, being willing to fail, being willing to have a less than optimal experience, but obviously hoping for the best. And it keeps us young. These experiences and these ideas are great ideas. I love all the ideas that you brought to the table, Cindy. Thank you. And, you can leave your comments for us. If you have questions, uh, we're happy to answer them. Thank you so much for tuning in. And this will conclude another session of Not Old Yet with Elizabeth and Cindy talking about stretching our limits and pushing ourselves out of our comfort zones. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Cindy. Thank you. Bye. We'll be in touch soon. Thanks.